Welcome to FRT, the IEF podcast on the intersection of finance, regulation and technology. I'm Brad Carr, and today we're in Paris at the offices of Group BPCE. My colleague Pablo Urbiola and I have been convening the first in our IIF Digital Roundtable series on the topic of the new data ecosystem. Group BPCE have been a generous host. Pablo and I are joined by two guests to debrief some of the day's discussions. With us are Henning Short of Alliance, who is one of our lead discussants today on the topic of data portability, and Frederick Burtz of our host BPCE, who spoke on supporting data infrastructures. Henning and Frederick, thank you for joining us and welcome to FRT. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Henning, if I could start with you, what were your main observations or takeaways from the discussions we had today? Well, maybe there were three takeaways. One is, if we talk about data portability, we still very much follow known path, i.e. we're either looking at that issue from a competition perspective Mm -hmm. or a data protection perspective. Uh, What we're not really looking at is ways how we can empower customers and really offer valuable services to them. So I think that is something we need to focus on more going forward. And slightly the similar observation if it came to the uh, discussion on consumer data. Again, we are looking at various ways how we could integrate the treatment of consumers in, in our processes and who should ultimately decide whether it should be local entities or whether reputational risk should be dealt with at uh, group level, I think ultimately also here we will be judged whether or not we are delivering value to our customers and we need to get ready for that. So those would be my two key observations. Yes, and and focusing especially on on the data portability session, that is the one in which uh, you spoke. For banks, which have been subject to PSD2, the issue of uh, cross-border data portability is a matter of level the playing field on, on access to data. Insurance companies have not been subject to a similar framework, but you are also concerned on access uh, to certain categories of data and the implications for competition. Could you explain why this is important for insurance companies? Well, data is important for us because it allows us to price and assess risk, right? We have always done that, but we see that with the uh, with the sense of education of things, we may in future have much better ways to do that and to serve our customers better and to offer innovative, intelligent products to them. And one area would specifically be in the driving sector, where you can very neatly assess the risk of a customer and link it to his driving style. So access to data is crucial and it is important and it needs to happen in a fair and balanced manner because ultimately it's the customer's data. Now, from an outside perspective, I recognize that the PSD2 may have a sector bias, that it may be unfavorable to banks, but maybe rather than always complaining about that, we should get more specific in in accepting this kind of regulation and seeing how we can leverage it or how banks could leverage it to build their own platforms by integrating third-party services for their consumers and maybe just sitting down and, and thinking about the data they would like to have and use for their services. So... I think it's a done deal and, and we should no longer complain about it, but probably see ways how we can move on with that to the benefit of customers. Henning, another point you made was about the design flaws of GDPR and the way in which you might use that in insurance and the challenges, firstly, of data portability not being all that useful if you have to agree the potential uses in advance, but also the lack of real-time data that you need for advanced telematics in the insurance sector. I'm not sure if there's anything further you'd add or, or elaborate to that point. The GDPR, it's a very novel regime. It's designed to set standards also in other parts of the world, but it was primarily designed to uh, offer privacy to customers. What you need in the car sector is not 
individual decisions whether or not you want to report certain data. You need a standardized set of data that you want to port to a customer and you need it real time. And the right of data portability under the GDPR is simply, simply not suitable for that. Mm. Now, I think there are many other sectors like the telecom sector or the banking sector where actually regulators could learn how such a standardized set of data could look like. And I think that is something we need also for the insurance sector if we want to have competition in the um, car aftermarket, okay. not just to the benefit of insurers, but to the benefit of many parties, take independent repair shops, mm. for example. Absolutely. Frederick, an important part of your role and the VPCE roadmap is about partnerships. You put a big emphasis on being open and seeking collaborations with other players, such as startups, where you can take innovation from other sources and bring it to your bank's extensive customer reach. What are some of the challenges you find in doing that? We think that uh, we need to be in sync with, with what is happening in the world and uh, that we cannot live on an island. We try to be uh, an active partner in uh, the innovation space uh, in France and abroad, we are really striving in that direction. Let's say there are three things that we are looking at. First is a very uh, utilitarian approach is how do we use the technology that is provided by uh, fintechs because it's faster, nimbler, less costly uh, than what we can do with uh, traditional providers. So that's really what we're all about. And uh, for example, I could mention two companies we work with. There's one from French company named uh, DQE, DQE uh, which is providing us with uh, good addresses for customers or which allow us to verify their mobile number, for example. So it's something that we don't have to rebuild, we just uh, use their technology. And um, a second one is Icelandic uh, company called uh, Meniga, the, which we are right now building our PFM solutions. So instead of bringing it at home or are going to a traditional vendor, we'd rather work with uh, those startups. So that's the first point, utilitarian. The second thing that we are trying to do with the startups is obviously provide them with services. And that's why I have, uh, since I joined the, the company, I have put so much efforts into building our uh, API, portal APIs. And I'm quite happy that we have our DSP2 APIs now already in their sandbox. And uh, we are about to, to test them with uh, our actual uh, partners. So that's the second one. We, we see ourselves as providers of services to the startups. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, obviously, is doing business with the startups. So we have investment arms like Seventures in the group, which we are a limited partner and we, it allows us to survey what happens in that area. And also we encourage our mutual banks to work with startups and we, we bank startups. So that's really what we are about. And we try to be a good player in that area of innovation in France. The, the challenges we have working with startups is mostly about the gap uh, between the expectations that we have, especially in terms of, of security, cybersecurity yes. and compliance. Right. So we, we have a lot of discussions on cyber security and compliance, especially with regards to GDPR. So it, uh, it's necessary that we make great efforts to explain uh, to those startups what, why we are asking them the things we are asking them, because sometimes it's, it's very far away from their uh, concerns. So and so that's, that's really a culture, the, the cultural gap is mm. very important. And we think it's really our job to explain them why we expect them to do that that way and not another way. And it's true that uh, when they work with different industries, uh, our industry of financial services is really peculiar for those topics. Yeah, I think that cultural change is a really fundamental point. And, and firstly, it's 
relevant in how you describe the difference between a risk-conscious regulated culture that we are familiar with in banking versus the different environment mm. that a lot of mm. startups have come from. I think it's also significant even just within banks. And, and one of my takeaways today was a, a point made um, early in the day about the, the challenge of driving transformation with a firm's own employees who are, are not used to necessarily having the new tools when they have new mechanisms come about and that are available to them, whether there's a demotivation or even perhaps a complacency there. Whereas I contrast that a bit with the more optimistic view. Daniel Moore, the Scotiabank CRO, back on uh, episode eight of FRT, made the point about how he's really looking to use digitisation as a means of changing the culture of the risk organisation, the risk unit for the better, and making that risk management function more data-driven in the way that it approaches decisions rather than relying on traditional orthodoxies. There's some challenges there internally as well as in the way that we we interface with uh, the the different culture of the startups, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And um, in the digital transformation program that we are running now at the BPC Group, we put a lot of emphasis on uh, what we call employee uh, transformation. It goes from very basic uh, things like explaining people uh, how Google works, uh, what is a social network and things like that. So it might seem um, a little bit uh, easy for people living in big cities like us, but it's true that uh, you you have to onboard everybody. So we are putting a lot of emphasis on that. Also, it's important to explain that because that's the way our customers are are living. That's how they want to interact with us. So we do have a lot of energy uh, put into explaining uh, to our employees how people are using um, the net and the the digital technologies. Mm. And when it comes to working with third parties, especially when they are smaller than us, uh, it's also a job to do that. For example, um, uh, turning the the contract uh, from 50 pages into 10 pages when you buy a very simple uh, uh, thing and it's not very expensive and it doesn't get into a critical process. So that's the kind of stuff we, we, we are also working on. We have been talking the whole in the whole session on access to data, use of data, but for financial institutions, the first question and the first challenge is how to organize all the internal data institutions already have and how to be able to leverage and, and, and make use effectively of, of those data. And that's why BPC and other institutions are having a data strategy to transform themselves in in that sense. Certainly, uh, data is a very big challenge for us. And we think that data is the second step after digital transformation. And uh, what is going to happen with data is as big as what has happened with digital transformation so far. So we're gearing up at BPC uh, to tackle that challenge. So we're putting our strategy together. And obviously, we have to build the tools to answer the challenge. And cloud will play a a very uh, significant role in that area because most of the technology is in the cloud now and uh, it's uh, very affordable. We don't think that we can uh, build uh, what we need in data on our premises because we need much more data. It's going to cost a a lot more. And if we keep on working with the same technologies, uh, we think we are going to miss the point. So we are looking uh, very uh, closely at the cloud and how we can move our data and make our computation, make our calculus there. And uh, obviously, with AI, the need for very fast uh, processing, uh, we do think that uh, cloud is the way to go. Well, thank you, Henning, and, and thank you, Frederick. Thank you for joining us. Right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. If I can draw back to, to one key theme that I think comes through in each of your comments and, and was certainly one of my takeaways today, was very much the customer-centric focus. And I see that there's you know, very much the focus about 
uh, wanting to be centred on what's good for customers, wanting to ensure that other risks, reputational and the like, um, are managed or mitigated through a prism of looking of, or I guess of considering that we're going to be judged by whether or not we did the right thing for our customer. And I think, Frederick, you've just elaborated further on the need for a customer-led view of, of innovation. Another takeaway I want to mention from today's roundtable, and I'll, I'll sum up a, our approach at the IEF here with a catchphrase uh, from our CEO, Tim Adams, this morning. Uh, and he used the phrase, humility without timidity. And that's very much how we want to be approaching these issues, that we don't have all the answers. Uh, we don't think anyone has all the answers to these new and complex issues, but we need to be proactive and energetic in the way that we pursue uh, these issues collectively. Looking ahead, the IIF Digital Roundtable series continues in Washington on April 10, where we'll discuss digital currencies, and then we'll have subsequent sessions in June on data localization and also on machine learning. Coming up on FRT, we'll similarly capture the key highlights from that Digital Currencies Roundtable, and we're going to talk machine learning and credit risk and consumer behaviour with Bill Kahn, who I rate as probably the best at distilling those complex concepts into the simple and interpretable. Please tune in again for those upcoming episodes via the IAF website or on SoundCloud. I'm Brad Carr and thanks for joining us on FRT.